On this episode of Faith and Focus, I am going to continue reading in Andrew Murray's book, Abide in Christ. This week we're going to be on chapter 3, Trusting Him to Keep You. And as in previous weeks, there'll be a couple questions at the end of the chapter. Those questions will also be in the show notes. If you wanted to hop onto the Facebook page or email at dennissotherbyinfaith.org, your answers to your questions and take part in the conversation, I would highly encourage that and would love to hear from you. Hey guys, if you've been a listener of Faith and Focus for a while and have enjoyed what you've been hearing, I would love it if you would consider becoming a monthly supporter of the ministry. As a missionary within faith, my work is entirely supported by listeners like you who believe in the work God has called me to do, and podcasting is just a small part of that. I also teach the Bible at my local church, in the ministry house I live in, and with the young men God has put in my life to disciple. I also do biblical counseling that is entirely donation-based, so your monthly support goes in part to help support counseling sessions for people who may not be able to afford any or all of the cost of counseling. And with your monthly support, I would be able to go on to full-time ministry, which would include more podcast recording, new podcast ideas that we've had, and different forms of online teaching, as well as more availability for counseling sessions. If you'd like to become a monthly supporter, you can email me at dennissotherby at infaith.org or head over to infaith backslash dennis-sotherby. Thank you. Andrew Murray, Abide in Christ, Chapter 3, Trusting Him to Keep You. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Philippians 3.12 More than one admits that it is a sacred duty and a blessed privilege to abide in Christ, but shrinks back continually before the question, Is it possible a life of unbroken fellowship with the Savior? Eminent Christians to whom special opportunities of cultivating this grace have been granted may attain to it, but for the large majority of disciples whose life, by a divine appointment, is so fully occupied with the affairs of this life, it can scarcely be expected. The more they hear of this, the deeper their sense of its glory and blessedness, and there is nothing they would not sacrifice to be made partakers of it. But they are too weak, too unfaithful. They never can attain to it. Dear souls, how little they know that the abiding in Christ is just meant for the weak, and that it is so beautifully suited to their weakness. It is not the doing of some great thing, And it does not demand that we first lead a very holy and devoted life. No, it is simply weakness entrusting itself to a mighty one to be kept. The unfaithful one casting self on one who is altogether trustworthy and true. Abiding in him is not a work that we have to do as the condition for enjoying his salvation, but a consenting to let him do all for us, in us, and through us. It is a work he does for us, the fruit and the power of his redeeming love, 
Our part is simply to yield, to trust, and to wait for what he has engaged to perform. It is this quiet expectation and confidence, resting on the word of Christ, that in him there is an abiding place prepared, which is so sadly lacking among Christians. They rarely take the time or the trouble to realize that when he says, Abide in me, he offers himself, the keeper of Israel who neither slumbers nor sleeps, with all his power and love, as the living home of the soul, where the mighty influences of his grace will be stronger to keep than all their weakness to lead astray. The idea they have of grace is this, that their conversion and pardon are God's work, but that now, in gratitude to God, it is their work to live as Christians and follow Jesus. There is always the thought of a work that has to be done. And even though they pray for help, still the work is theirs. They fail continually and become hopeless, and the despondency only increases the helplessness. No wandering one, as it was Jesus who drew you when he said, Come, so it is Jesus who keeps you when he says, Abide. The grace to come and the grace to abide are alike from him alone. That word come when it was heard, meditated on, and accepted was the cord of love that drew you near. The word abide is even so the band with which he holds you fast and binds you to himself. Let the soul just take time to listen to the voice of Jesus. In me, he says, is your place, in my almighty arms. It is I who love you so, who speaks, abide in me. Surely you can trust me. The voice of Jesus entering and dwelling in the soul cannot but call for the response, Yes, Savior, in you I can, I will abide. Abide in me. These words are no law of Moses, demanding from the sinful what they cannot perform. They are the command of love, which is always only a promise in a different shape. Think of this until all feeling of burden and fear and despair pass away. And the first thought that comes as you hear of abiding in Jesus, be one of bright and joyous hope. It is for me, I know I will enjoy it. You are not under the law, with its inexorable do, but under grace, with its blessed believe what Jesus Christ will do for you. And if the question is asked, but surely there's something for us to do, the answer is, our doing and working are just the fruit of Christ's work in us. It is when the soul becomes utterly passive, looking and resting on what Christ is to do, that its energies are stirred to their highest activity, and that we work most effectually because we know that he works in us. It is as we see in the word, in me, that the mighty energies of love reaching out after us to have us and to hold us, that all the strength of our will is roused to abide in him. This connection between Christ's work and our work is beautifully expressed in the words of Paul. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. It was because he knew that the mighty and the faithful one had grasped him with the glorious purpose of making him one with himself that he did his utmost to grasp the glorious prize. The faith, the experience, and the full assurance that Christ has laid hold of me gave him the courage and the strength to press on and lay hold of that which had laid hold of him. 
Each new insight of the great end for which Christ had laid hold of and was holding him roused him afresh to aim at nothing less. Paul's expression and its application to the Christian life can be best understood if we think of a father helping his child to mount the side of some steep precipice. The father stands above and has taken the son by the hand to help him on. He points him to the spot on which he will help him to plant his feet as he leaps upward. The leap would be too high and dangerous for the child alone, but the father's hand is his trust, and he leaps to get hold of the point for which his father has taken hold of him. It is the father's strength that secures him and lifts him up and so urges him to use his utmost strength. Such is the relationship between Christ and you, O weak and trembling believer. Fix first your eyes on that for which he has laid hold of you. It is nothing less than a life of abiding, unbroken fellowship with himself, to which he is seeking to lift you up. All that you have already received, pardon and peace, the Spirit and his grace, are brought preliminary to this. And all that you see to you in the future, holiness and fruitfulness and glory and everlasting, are but its natural outcome. Union with himself, and so with the Father, is his highest object. Fix your eye on this and gaze until it stands out before you, clear and unmistakable. Christ's aim is to have me abiding in him. And then let the second thought enter your heart, that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. His almighty power has laid hold on me and offers now to lift me up to where he would have me. Fix your eyes on Christ. Gaze on the love that beams in those eyes and that ask whether you cannot trust him, who sought and found and brought you near now to keep you. Gaze on that arm of power and say whether you have reason to be assured that he is indeed able to keep you abiding in him. And as you think of the spot from where he points, the blessed that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of you, and keep your gaze fixed on himself, holding you and waiting to lift you up, could you not this very day take the upward step and rise to enter into this blessed life of abiding in Christ? Yes, begin right now and say, O oh my Jesus, if you command me, and if you desire to lift and keep me there, I will venture. Trembling, but trusting, I will say, Jesus, I do abide in you. My beloved fellow believer, go and take time alone with Jesus and say this to him. I don't dare speak to you about abiding in him for the mere sake of calling forth a pleasing religious sentiment, God's truth must immediately be acted on. Oh, yield yourself this very day to the blessed Savior in the surrender of the one thing he asks of you. Give up yourself to abide in him. He himself will accomplish it in you. You can trust him to keep you trusting and abiding. And if ever doubts again arise, or the bitter experience of failure tempts you to despair, just remember where Paul found his strength. I am laid hold of by Jesus Christ. In that assurance, you have a fountain of strength. From there, you can look up to that which he has set his heart and set yours there too. From there, you gather confidence that the good work he began, he will also complete. And in that confidence, you will gather courage day by day, afresh to say, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. It is because Jesus has taken hold of me, and because Jesus keeps me, that I dare to say, 
Savior, I abide in you. Questions for further thought. 1. What is Christ's answer to those who refuse or fail to abide in him because they believe they are too weak or too unfaithful in the present or in the past to constantly and consistently abide in him? 2. From where must you receive the grace and the strength in order to abide in Christ every day of your Christian life? 3. What should you do with your doubts, your failures, and your inabilities in consistently abiding in Christ as he has called you to do? While Faith and Focus is a ministry of in faith, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of in faith as a mission.